Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I'm the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation and host of this podcast. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Toldot, which loosely translates as Generations. Toldot is a parsha that focuses on the life and struggles of Yitzchak and Rivka, exploring their infertility, their struggle to find a place within the land that their descendants are destined to inherit. It is filled with Yitzchak seeking to redig the wells of his father, hide his wife from the locals, and ultimately for him to pass on the messages, the teachings, and a blessing to the next generation. Toldot raises some unique challenges in trying to understand the lives of Yitzchak and Rivka, and it initiates our relationship with the third of the Avot, Yaakov Avina. Toldot has 106 verses. It fills 173 lines in the Torah scroll. It is the sixth parsha in the Torah. And here is Parsha Toldot in seven parts. Part one, the challenge of being a good parent. We are reintroduced to Yitzchak and Rivka. We are told that they they married when Yitzchak was 40 years old and were unable to have children. Yitzchak prayed to God and Rivka becomes pregnant. When her pregnancy seems to be in jeopardy, Rivka finds her own voice and at that moment prays to God. God informs her that she will be having twins. She is not, her pregnancy is not in jeopardy. Rather, it's a double blessing. Indeed, she gives birth to two children, to Esav and Yaakov. Yitzchak loved Esav, more on that shortly. And Rivka loved Yaakov, the Torah tells us. As the children grew, their relationship grew more complex. Esav returns from a day of hunting, seeking food, seeking sustenance. He asks Yaakov for his dinner, for which he trades for his birthright. Rashi, chapter 25, verse 28, says that Esav was a skilled conman and swindled his father into making him believe he was someone he was not. The Sephorno, the same location, says that Yitzchak loved Esav, even though he was less righteous than Yaakov. Yitzchak recognized that Esav needed that extra love. And so ends part one. Part two, Yitzchak is caught in a lie. Yitzchak lives in a place called Gerar, within the vicinity of Avimelech and his people, the Philistines. Yitzchak identifies to them Rivka as his sister to protect his life, with great concern that the people of that place would kill him to take his wife. Avimelech witnesses Yitzchak and Rivka being affectionate towards each other and realizes that Rivka is not his sister, but rather is Yitzchak's wife. He instructs no one to touch Rivka and confronts Yitzchak. Yitzchak then settles down in that place and is blessed by God a hundredfold. In explaining the instant, the Rashbam chapter 26 verse 8 points out quite simply that the Torah states that a long time had passed between the lie and the affection between Yitzchak and Rivka. 
after time had passed, Yitzchak was no longer careful regarding the, the lie he had told that Rivka was his sister. And that was why he was being affectionate towards his wife. And so ends part two. Part three, Yitzchak, the Bezos of his day. Yitzchak grows in, in his wealth and influence and is asked to move away by Avimelech. Yitzchak moves his entire wealth and his shepherds find themselves confronted by other locals over and over again regarding their wealth and access to water. Yitzchak thrice redigs the well of his father, Avraham, and was only successful the third time in digging a well and keeping it free from quarrel. Yitzchak names the location of that final well Rechovot, referring to there finally being ample space for him to live. Rashi chapter 26 verse 13 describes the wealth of Yitzchak as being so great that the people saw the waste of Yitzchak's animals as more valuable than the currency of Avimelech. No wonder he asked him to leave. And so ends part three. Part four, Yitzchak makes peace. Yitzchak moves to Be'er Sheva, and God appears to him that night, possibly for the first time. God promises that he is with him, like he was with his father, Avraham. Yitzchak awakes and builds an altar in that place, and calls out to God. His shepherds then dig a well in that location. For some reason, the wells play a huge role in the life of Yitzchak. Avimelech comes to visit Yitzchak, and though they have moved apart from each other, Avimelech is now very interested in creating a diplomatic agreement with Yitzchak, like he had one with Yitzchak's father. The Sephorno, chapter 26, verse 25, points out that unlike prior attempts, Yitzchak's digging of a well does not create conflict, but creates an opportunity to make peace with Avimelech. One has to wonder why wells and water play such a significant role in the prosperity and the life of Yitzchak. And so ends part four. Part five, the Torah's first mother-in-law joke. Yitzchak creates a treaty with Avimelech, signs terms, and names that location Be'er Sheva. Again, a hat tip to the importance of water and wells in Yitzchak's life. We are then told that Esav marries two women, and the Torah tells us that these women become a source of distress for Yitzchak and Rivka. Yitzchak then grows old and blind, the Torah tells us, and he asks Esav to prepare a meal for a final blessing that he would give his son. Rivka intercedes and instructs Yaakov to pretend that he is Esav and to bring food to Yitzchak for that meal to steal Esav's blessing. Yitzchak is somewhat suspicious and he proceeds to touch Yaakov to try and confirm whether he was indeed Esav or not. It seems to work due to, the, due to the fact that Yaakov is wearing the skins of animals upon the advice of his mother, 
though Yitzchak still recognizes that Yaakov's voice isn't Esau's. It works only skin deep. Yitzchak blesses the child who he thinks is Esau by identifying his smell as the smell of the field. The Chizkuni chapter 27 verse 35 says that the Torah informs us of the displeasure of Yitzchak and Rivka towards Esau's wives to help us understand that Esau no longer lived with the family encampment. Had his wives been around, they would have prevented the trickery of Yaakov receiving the blessing of Esau. Because he married women who Yitzchak and Rivka did not like, he left the family and thus enabled Yaakov to steal his blessing. And so ends part five. Part six, all the good times we had together. Esau returns from his hunt and discovers that his blessing from Yitzchak had been stolen by his brother Yaakov. He begs his father for a blessing anyway to which his father obliges as best he can. Apparently, it's only one blessing per parent. Esau plots to kill Yaakov and Rivka plans Yaakov's escape to Haran. Yaakov finally leaves home. Before he leaves, Yaakov goes to see his father one more time, who blesses him again to become wealthy and to grow his family. It seems like there are no hard feelings between Yitzchak and Yaakov. Both Rivka and Yitzchak instruct Yaakov to be careful regarding who he marries, this is perhaps a lesson from the last Aliyah in their displeasure at the choice Esav makes regarding his wives. Rashi, chapter 28, verse 4, points out that Yitzchak ties Yaakov to the blessing of Avraham, indicating finally and clearly which of his children carries forth the family mission, which of his children carries forth the spreading the teachings of Avraham. And so ends part six. Part seven. Esau tries to make right by marrying another woman. Yaakov flees to Padanaram, to Lavan, the brother of Rivka. Esau realizes that his choices in who he marries has displeased his parents and recognizes that Yaakov is the subject of his father's blessings, even after Yaakov tri tricked him. Esau surmises that perhaps he should marry a woman that the family would like, and therefore he could get his father's blessing. And so he, he identifies a woman by the name of Machalat, the daughter of Yishmael, and they indeed get married. Rashi, chapter 28, verse 9, a very important Rashi utilizes the lineage of Yishmael, the marriage of Machalat to Esav, and a number of other details to identify that Yaakov is 63 years old when he flees his parents' home. This is no longer a younger man, though maybe this is the first source in the Torah for extended adolescence. And so ends part seven. One final thought on Parshas Toldot. 
What if Yitzchak believed that there was an Akedah tradition given to him by Avraham, in which the father of the family takes a child and sacrifices an animal instead of that child as an educational act, showing their child what dedication to God means? What if that act was both about showing your fear of God and teaching the child what it takes to live a completely God-dedicated life? Yaakov already understood this, so it explains why Yitzchak selects Esav for the blessing, for the final act of his life. What Rivka understood is that the Akedra tradition was not about educating a child, it wasn't an act of education, but rather an act of dedication. It was more about enabling the next generation to carry forth the values of Avraham. And therefore you had to select the strongest child. You had to select the child who would be able to live the life modeled by Avraham Avinu. My name is Yechiel Sharf and this has been Parsha on a pod, Parsha Todot. Remember to subscribe on any podcast platform that you use, share it with your friends, and we thank you for joining us in studying this week's Parsha, wishing everyone a healthy, a happy, and an inspiring Shabbat ahead.